Today's episode of the Rough Drafts podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Their esports book covers all of your favorite titles, including League of Legends. Bet for free with Unicorns, which you can use to enter raffles for gaming prizes, and even earn Unicorns just by playing your favorite games. Some regions can even place real money bets. And while you're there, be sure to check out the esports news page where you can read great articles from their writing staff, including me, your host, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. It's time to put your esports expertise to the test. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to this finals episode of the Rough Drafts podcast. We're there. We're at the World Championship <laughs> Finals. The hype is real. It's exactly the same as last year, as far as the teams were going to be watching. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, you know, yeah, I, the good news is I'm going to get hyped back into this because I've got my good friend, Skylar. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I crawled out of my rotting grave for this one <laughs> because I'm always excited to see a Korea Korea final. Uh, I don't care how anti hype everybody is. I'm hype. It should and it should be hype, right? Like it's going to be in the bird's nest, which is insane. Yeah, that's great, crazy. Great venue. Chinese fans have been awesome. Um, if there yes, have been some, yeah. I mean. At the very least, I think it's safe to say that these series have been really entertaining so far. So even though it is a rematch, I feel like the path that we've gotten here tells Mm -hmm. us that we should be in for some shenanigans. So I'm excited to to have you back on the show for the first time in a while. I'm Uh, excited to be back. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah, of course, man. And let's let's just get into uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about today. Because I haven't really had a chance to go into this on the pod as much as I'd like. Uh, rest in pepperonis, Longju, the team that I thought was going to win it all. What did you think about Longju heading into the tournament? Oh, what did I think? <laughs> Chase knows what I think, and uh, that's why he's asking it so politely. I thought they were going to win. <laughs> like me, me, and many other uh, Korea aficionados, shall we say, were super favoring Longju for at least. Uh, contention for the finals like at the very least giving SKT the best run for their money that they've had uh, so far I mean doubtless Samsung and uh, Rock's Tigers have given them good fights in the past but Longju Gaming they the new hotness they got the super duper top laner they've got BDD the uh, second coming of Faker They've got Praying Gorilla bot, Gorilla bot Lane, and they've got the Royal Rotor Cuz. How can they not go far in this tournament? How indeed. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, uh, watching that as a Longju fan, I, it, I went from just pure elation watching BDD just styling uh, in lane on Crown. Just felt like he could do no wrong, taking super aggressive trades, unnecessarily mm-hmm. aggressive. But he felt super confident. 
and you know we got Khan yeah. on this Jacks pick. That seems like a good thing, ninety nine percent of the time, and just I, you know, I hate this narrative that's that's popped up that they were just nervous because they were so new to the international stage and best of fives in particular. I have heard, mm. heard even people going so far as to say like, oh, well, it actually was a downside that they went to the finals directly with the LCK because then they would have had more best of five series. I felt like they were cocky. And then when they got, you know, it's kind of like a boxer, right? You get punched once when you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. And, and some yeah. of those guys just go down. What yeah. did you read? Did you think it was nerves? Was it cockiness? Was it, or, or was it something else entirely that ended up ultimately being their downfall? Well, I'm glad that you brought up those two lines of thought because I have seen them uh, online as well and talking with people. Uh, another one that I've heard that I'll sort of use as a counterpoint, I think, um, is that Longju wasn't actually as good as everybody said. You know, uh, there are a lot of obvious weaknesses of Longju that people are now pointing out after the fact. You know, uh, retrospective analysis is always you know, it's a it's a precious thing, isn't it? Oh, of course. Um, so uh, let's address some of the weaknesses right right now, so that uh, we can put them on the table uh, and then talk about them. Cuz is a rookie. Yeah. As far as as far as nerves and experience go. You can definitely point to uh, Cuz for nerves and experience. Um, I mean, I agree that it's disingenuous to apply it to Longju Gaming in general because they have Prey and Gorilla. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how how much more experience do you want? Um, they, they even in uh, Champions in in LCK they. Prey and Gorilla formed the bedrock for this explosive and very talented team of, you know, combination of fresh blood with Khan and Cuz and uh, kind of Khan's coming back for vengeance uh, after his uh, short stint on uh, Prime Optimus, I think it was. Yeah. The one with Old B on it. Um, and... Uh, because being a fresh rookie, uh, it was clear that Prey and Gorilla provided the class and tenure that turned Longju Gaming, this Longju Gaming roster, into a proper team. So I don't think that that evaporated. You know that mm. that tenure and the experience of Prey and Gorilla holds fast on the world stage. They've gone very far in worlds, uh, but uh, Khan. Khan, Cuz, and BDD have not. Cuz is the only one who I would, uh, I would wonder about his nerves, because there's a lot of pressure riding on this rookie jungler. I mean, look at a player like Cody Sun. He's not uh, like the best AD carry in the world, but he is a good AD carry, and he had a major flop at Worlds. Cody Sunflash, lol. <laughs> yeah, um, I th- thank you for reminding me of that, by the way. It, as we're yeah. burying one of my favorite teams, you decided, well, let's take the shovel to the face of the other. <laughs> so, because Riot a, hasn't done that enough with this whole it's egg, thing. It's egg on my face, too. I'm NA as well. Yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I see that flash in my nightmares every night. 
Um, I, I'm just glad Cody Sun did an interview. Like, I wear it as, as the badge yeah. for what it is. It's fine. I'm a rookie. I'll do better next time. Like, that's exactly yeah. the right attitude. He'll be all right. And that's why I touched on Cody Sun, because major flap at Worlds, rookie player, realizes his rookiness and is, uh, let's see what he does now, basically. Uh, if he turns that into a productive path forward, then, you know, he can easily move past it. It's a rookie thing, you know? I mean, we could easily see Cuz next year uh, being a really hot jungler because he was great in LCK. Uh, he knew how to play to the strengths of his team, super smart pathing, super smart invades and counter jungling, uh, very solid chops for a guy uh, in, a, in the most difficult competitive position to transition from rookie. Uh, so, Cuz... Cool. We took care of him. Yeah. Uh, now, Khan. Khan is good on certain champions. People have taken that a little bit too far, I think. Uh, they've said he's only good on, like, Jace or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not true. He's good on a lot of stuff. What is true, though, and I've, I've always sort of held this reservation about Khan because the meta has favored him so long. We haven't seen him experience multiple metas. Uh, and it seems that he is not uh, ready to adapt to the shifting of the meta within a tournament, which I was something that I was afraid of. Uh, he doesn't have the pool, the same kind of pool and experience that Kuve has. Uh, Kuve, a venerable top laner in his own right at this point, has played carries and tanks with extraordinary success. Uh, through his rise with this Samsung roster. Khan has not had that experience. Uh, he, he simply has not proven himself on the wider variety of champions on in a wider variety of metas that Kuve has. So uh, Kuve, in this instance, he it was the perfect matchup because he his uh, strengths, Kuve's strengths, were perfectly suited to counter Khan's insane playmaking ability and his his really really strong aggressive top laning i mean i'm I'm, this guy is good he's just not experienced uh in versatility yeah yeah and and it was one of those things where it was very fascinating to me to watch khan essentially get out split pushed for most of the Mm -hmm. game like that cannon from qv really just shut him down and took over the lane in a way that i don't think he was expecting it all. I, I don't think that AP cannon was something that they looked prepared yeah. for. And, and yeah. I would say the other thing that, I, that really, to me, was mm-hmm. the end of Longju is just yeah. how Ruler and Core JJ attacked that bot lane with that Tarek pick, which is something we'd seen them do once in the group stage, uh, but not mm-hmm. particularly well. And it was just one of those situations where when you think that your opponent has some young guys who can be tilted a bit, the best thing you can do is attack the veterans over and over and over. Force them yep. to deal with both shot calling and an oppressive lane. That yep. can be a lot more difficult. Now Now you're having to balance different things. Now you're having to, um, to deal with this constant pressure. And you're counting on these young guys to bail you out rather than you providing the kind of pressure that they were clearly hoping to have. And a lot of, you know, yep. shout out to Core JJ for some pretty perfect Terracults. And for yeah. Ruler for playing that lane out, I think a lot better than anyone was expecting. But yeah. 
it's one of those things where if you're Longshu, you have to look at it and say, how did Prey and Gorilla lose that lane in, in games two and three when they desperately right. needed them to step up? And, and is that yeah. a champion pick problem? Is that a uh, jungling problem? There's, there's a lot they're mm-hmm. going to have to yeah. go to. Uh, last thing before we move on to the two teams that everyone's mm-hmm. most excited to hear about. Yeah. Do you think they make changes? Should they make changes? And wait, well, uh, how would you approach it? That is, yeah. right? Yes. How would you approach uh, this if you're Longju? Okay, a great question. Uh, to address what you just said about the bot lane, uh, in my opinion, that's that part was drafting because mm-hmm. the Tristana came through every time. And uh, Ruler's a great laner and a great AD carry, very team-oriented, perfect for Samsung. Uh, and when you can get him to win win lane through champ setup and unlocking core JJ on a playmaking melee support, good night, yeah. basically. Uh, that's that's uh, what I have to say about that. Uh, as far as changes to the roster, in a perfect world, I would uh, I would get a sub top and jungle. On Longju, a single sub top and jungle, kind of like SKT has set up. Although SKT has more subs, they don't use them. Let's be real. Yes. <laughs> um, the, the they should get a reliable sub top uh, who can put pressure on Khan to perform on stuff that he hasn't performed on already. Uh, and if I was making the decision, I would. Uh, pair him up with a top laner with opposing strengths. Somebody even like Untara. Uh, it's not unlike the situation that SKT has going on with Kari Huni and team player Untara. Um, and Cuz, uh, there's really nothing wrong with Cuz. It's just that having the versatility of a sub jungler, as seen by the extraordinary use of sub junglers in SKT's past few years. Uh, is very valuable, I think. Yeah, and, and jungle's just one of those positions that uh, you need to have someone who understands the map very well and can coordinate with the team at, to, to the best of their ability, uh, depend, regardless of the meta, and just having versatility there. Uh, there's a reason that both SKT and Samsung brought uh, you know additional junglers when they could only have mm-hmm. the one subspot. That's just a yeah. position that is, is so important, and to me... I, I'm happy to take a flyer on one or two young guys at the jungle position, and then you kind of train them up, get them in a gaming house, get them under your system, see what you have, and then yeah. once you've had a good chance of it, then you can move forward with the ones that you're really looking for. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a position in which you really can benefit from that. So Agreed. I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. we got to talk about these, these two final teams. Did, did you expect... Me. Once we got after that first round that it was going to be Korea versus Korea, were you ever scared that these Chinese teams were finally going to take back over and we were going back to Season 4? No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to expand on that? That just no? Korea's no. over and over I will expand on it. <laughs> uh, sure, okay, there was a possibility, right? Uh, but it was a low percentage. Uh, so I wasn't worried, you know. I knew that if a Chinese team was going to win, it would be a pretty big upset. Uh, And we almost had some pretty big upsets. I'd say that uh, the results that we got were edge cases in and of themselves. Um, But 
you know, like a five games, SK Telecom, uh, WE stomping Samsung first game. Uh, that's impressive. Um, and uh, there's nothing you can't really take away from that. It was it was well done from them, but the percentage favor was always in Korea's favor, in in my opinion. Yeah, and and, and as it should be because Korea has yeah. proven themselves, and these are Indeed. two teams who made it to the finals last year, right? Samsung hasn't changed anybody out. SKT yeah. still has Faker. Last time I checked. And that seems uh, it, to be really I, good. I checked that a day ago, and it was still the same. It could be different today. <laughs> yeah, and, and and let's let's start with them and with with Faker in particular. Because yeah, let's go. This is is this the most impressive performance he's had at Worlds? Because the, it feels like there have been so many moments in which some of his teammates have let him down, in which he's had to kind of solo carry these these games mm-hmm. uh, when the pressure's really on. They've fallen behind two games to one in both series, and, and he, I think he's the biggest reason they were able to come back in both of them. I mean, how does this compare to you to all of the other faker moments we've had over the years? Sure, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, the most impressive faker performance at Worlds was Season 4, because he didn't even play, and people were still talking about him all the time. <laughs> Um, but, uh, jokes aside, uh, season three is the most comparable, uh, performance from Faker, uh, that we have seen, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, season, uh, season six SKT, uh, was a pretty well-oiled beast in, uh, balancing the carry threats across the team. It was similar to season three in that respect because they had uh, solid threats in each position. But in season three, mid lane could frankly just carry harder. Um, like Faker and SKT's rise to power was in, it definitely in part due to the fact that mid lane could just run away with games in earlier seasons in a way that we do not see as much these days. Uh, season five, uh, Marin was pretty much solo winning that Worlds, <laughs> so uh, I I have to give it to Marin for um, for season five. Uh, given the other performances and how Fakers showed up for his team in this Worlds, uh, I'd say A being a Galio one trick pays off, uh, and B yeah. This is the most impressive carry performance uh, that I've seen from Faker in a single tournament. Yeah, and we should point out that the point we have to compare is a tournament from five years ago. And how many players can we say, like, oh, yeah, he was the best guy at the (laughs) tournament now and five years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Even you look at, like, a TSM or whatever else in in North America when they've been so dominant. Like, it's not been – there's nothing like this. There is no one like Faker – and and sure. to me, like when I think about this series, the first thing that comes to my head is that week one game in the group stage where they played EDG, and they were down ten thousand gold, yeah. and Faker was like zero four and two, yeah. and it totally didn't matter because he saw like the point two seconds in which yep. poor EDG had gotten out of position. And he's like, yep. oh, oh, well, now I win the game because you gave me that yep. opening. And, and the thing about it was not just that it was an incredible play because it was 
but it blew me away how unsurprised I was by it. It, yeah. it, it felt as inevitable as it felt when I watched Tom Brady kill my hopes and dreams uh, <laughs> eight months back, where it's just like, well, the greatest of all time just decided he wanted to win. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, that's, um, that's just how this works. For, for those of you playing along at home, I'm blessing myself for the rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah, less, less I say about the Falcons this year, the better. Uh, but it's, look, man, I just, it's what so is dead may fun. never die. <laughs> well, t- tell that to immortals. But it's, uh, it's just... Like, <laughs> I could add in the air horns. I think I have that. Um, but Do yeah, it! Honestly, like, I, I just... To, to me, I, I've been so blown away by how scary he still is. And I, I think that ultimately, yeah. the reason I lean towards them in this final series is because... I don't want to bet against him anymore. I don't want to do it. Like it's it's not fun. There's there's nothing fun about rooting against a faker because you just in this in your pit of the stomach. It's any point in yep. the entire game. You're like, he's just going to turn this out somehow because this is what he does, and you're just kind of waiting for it. And that has created a narrative here where essentially a lot of people are pointing out like, well, SKT is favored to win because they're SKT. Yeah. Even though they've had these two series now where they right. almost lost to Misfits. That would have been like a genuine Misfits played better than them series. It wasn't any cheese. It was a really nice performance from them. And then, of yep. course, last week almost has to do the same. They they keep having to put him on the Galio because they had no answer to what RNG was doing. And that obviously worked out. But you could have imagined a universe in which RNG could have adjusted accordingly in their pick and ban to try to take advantage of that fact. Or, you know, banning it a whole once would have been interesting to see. But, yeah, that would have been a heck of an adaptation. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but ultimately, do you think that that narrative is the right way to approach this? That this is just SKTs to lose because they're SKT, even though mm-hmm. Samsung has been the probably more impressive team so far as a full unit? Right. Yeah, so... Uh... This whole narrative is something that Riot has uh, embraced in analysis. I've seen a few people on panels mention it, and uh, I've seen conversations online echo this line of thought. So I thought it would be uh, good to address this. I don't agree, because uh, Samsung looked about as bad uh, in the World Elite loss as SK did, SKT did, losing to Misfits. Mm. World Elite played very well in that one game. They stomped out Samsung. And that's worth remembering because Samsung, they've had a good route uh, up to... uh, up to the finals, they they beat Longju uh, resoundingly, which is ostensibly not a good opponent to have in your uh, quarterfinals match. I would agree, but I think that Samsung, of all the teams there at Worlds, had the best matchup against Longju, and they had they also had a good matchup against World Elite for similar reasons because it's so hard to defeat that that blistering cohesion that Samsung has. They just, 
basically stick together until you rot away in your own frustration and they just chip you away into oblivion. That's why they're so good at split pushing. But that's something that SK Telecom is also good at. With an added dash of spice with Faker in there. Faker is still on SK Telecom. <laughs> and uh, Huni adds another element of unpredictability as well. A gr- great performances from him this uh, this tournament, but also unpredictability. Uh, he is vulnerable. Yes. Whereas Kube is not vulnerable in the same way. Or at least teams aren't familiar with how to turn Kube into uh, um, uh, the same kind of... I was going to say useless slump, but that seems uh, <laughs> mightily uncharitable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's easy to abuse top laners, so it's not a slight against the plan- the players. It's just the nature of the position. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that basically my takeaway from this whole narrative is people aren't considering uh, the weaknesses of Samsung with equity to the rough route that SK Telecom had coming up to the finals position. Yeah, no, I I think that's absolutely fair. And, you know, the two things that really gave me pause when I was looking at this line from Samsung's perspective and trying to figure out exactly where that game was going to go... Uh, the first one was simply that uh, they did get 3-0'd by SK Telecom like two months ago. That was a very decisive series. I, I felt like those teams weren't particularly close in the LCK playoffs. Yeah. And certainly, I, I think Samsung's put some things together. I think this meta is maybe a little bit more favorable to them than that was. But at the same time, we, we should not forget the fact that when these teams played in the regular season in the playoffs... SKT had a clear advantage and, and, and was able to take uh, advantage of that. I, yeah. I also will say, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I didn't think Samsung series against WE was very good. I, I yeah, actually, it wasn't as convincing. Uh, there were a lot of close games in there that the record does not show. Well, and, and I think that a lot of it came down to WE destroying themselves. Yeah, like I, I felt like they their vision game was terrible, which you can't afford to do against Samsung, who places more wards yeah. and clears more wards than anyone else at this event. That seemed like a bad sign. It never felt like yep. they were able to start fights on their own terms. Uh, I thought there were some clear communication issues, uh, especially target selection and some of those mid-game fights. I saw multiple times in Game 2 and Game 4 where I was just watching. I'm like, well, they should have gotten two kills here, but they tried to focus half of them on one damage, half of them the damage on the other guy, and yeah. now suddenly both of them are surviving and they're being caught for diving too hard and now, you know, mm-hmm. Ben can't figure out how to land a Terracle and, you know, those those kinds of issues. I I, I just I I spent that tournament thing that, that whole series I would say, thinking, you know, if if WE knew what they were doing if they knew how to set up these fights properly, if they were more patient for them, and they picked their, their opportunities, I, I thought like they could have been the better team. It, it's, it seemed like that opportunity was there, and that's, that's very worrying to me, because I thought that WE was the yeah. weakest of the four semifinalist teams. And when you go from a win as dominant as they looked against Longju, you know, I think that's what's sticking in a lot of people's minds. Like, well, they 3-0'd Longju, therefore they're good. But... 
we're not taking into account that it was a really sloppy 3-1 series against WE, where I, I think they looked as flawed as SKT looked in their best of five. And there wasn't a game yeah. like SKT's game four where I just thought, oh, yeah, Samsung's taking this over. They're 100% mm-hmm. of the driver's seat. Yeah. They're the ones that are that are controlling everything they want in this game. Yeah. So how do, how do they do that, Skylar? Because it, it's very easy for us to sing the praises of, of Faker and right. to talk about how, you know, this SK team, they never lose. Yeah. If, if we're going to see Samsung surprises, if they're going to get over yes. the hump, how does it happen? What does that series look like? A very good question. I want to see Crown on good Crown champions. Namely, I want a lot of Talia, and I want a lot of Malzahar. Um, he is favoring those champions extensively, but you're not going to get them all the time. So you need something else that's crown comfortable. Uh, crown is famous for his Victor, obviously. Uh, Victor is not meta right now, but if they, if they have some pocket picks, now's the time to pull them out. That's all I'm saying. You know, uh, Crown has historically had a smaller champion pool, but has been very good on those champions. It's a lot like Dade was in the past. Um, so that is the the sort of key to Samsung not just falling flat in this finals is getting Crown comfortable on something that is the centerpiece here. Ruler and Cora JJ uh, have their better and worse champions, but they're more flexible than uh, the rest of the team is. Ambition himself has a predilection for a few champions. Uh, Lee Sin is not one of those champions. <laughs> I, it worked, <laughs> but it was sort of it worked in a more medio sort of way yeah. than it did uh, than it did a Sven Skaren kind of way. Yeah, I put that uh, worked in air quotes, which people can't right. see. But that's <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so comfort is huge for crown and ambition. Uh, heck, we might even see a Haru pinch hit because Haru is a great jungler and nobody knows anymore because Samsung just stopped playing him in favor of, of ambition, which was a bizarre decision, which worked okay for the most part. But I would, and if you want to see that game where Samsung takes over and snowballs that convincing victory like we see from SKT when they get rolling. I think you put Haru in for the surprise. We still have uh, a, a superstar rookie jungler on our roster who can play Kha'Zix, uh, who can play damaged junglers and get a snowball rolling that once it's going, it can't be stopped. See, I have one problem with that which Tell is me. that it feels like ambitions five times the shot caller that haru is right now which it's, uh i uh, think five times is a little too many times but he's better i mean in, in the group I stage agree. game that we saw haru play it really did feel like their early game was quite disjointed it felt like yeah, there it, was not a great amount of synergy compared to what mm-hmm. we've seen from Ambition. And that's that's always been the thing about Ambition, right? He's a super smart jungler. He's not mm-hmm. necessarily the most mechanically proficient, but he knows what he needs to do. He's been exactly. around the game for so long. You know, yeah. he, he just has that deeper understanding. And we talk about 
uh, you know, on the world championship stage, especially in a finals, I, I think we might be a year away from Haru being a guy I want to throw. Like, it's, it would be a risk against yeah. a team like SKT in particular. Right. But, but on, you know, you, you make a good point that certainly he has the carry potential. Yes. And SKT's early game's really bad. Like, it's yeah. really bad. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. It feels like uh, Peanut and Bank have just really not gotten a lot going momentum-wise. Very unwilling to gank for their laners in a way that would kind of get those lanes started. Um, they, they give up a lot in the early game. Uh, and I think, uh, like it or not, uh, a lot of that's intentional because they dislike the high variance of early game like aggression or action. They just put out fires until uh, they get going where they're comfortable, which is the mid to late game. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's very fair. They they certainly have been getting away with it so far. You know, insert that I know. bad <laughs> gift. Where and I'm they like, can keep getting away with it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. This is going to be a fun series. I, I, it I, is. I'm very yeah. excited to see ultimately how this goes. Yeah. Skyler, where what are you predicting here? Where do you think the series ends up? Oh, my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, you love this. Which <laughs> longtime listeners uh, will remember that uh, this hatred of predicting stuff goes way back, years and years back. Which is uh, great because you know it's coming. Like you knew I there was no coming. way you were getting out of this podcast without giving me an answer. So I know. <laughs> I still hate it, but the the short answer is I expect another three two. Hmm. It's SKT. I I think SKT is going to win uh, three two. That's that's a very fair answer. I think it has a, a high likelihood of going to that fifth game. I hope so. I, That'd be fun. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it a three one to SKT though. I, I, I think, was I was tempted, but I'm gonna stick with my three two. Yeah, no, I mean, look, three two is is very likely. I just I, I'm at this point where I I don't know that Samsung did enough last week to show me that they really understand how to take advantage of the window they're going to have against SKT. Yeah, they, I they've mean, really got to start killing that early game, and they've got to put. SKT down before they have a chance to get back up to their their power spikes because once they get there yeah. it just seems like it's game over and I I was not impressed with how Samsung closed out their leads uh, it felt pretty sloppy to me last week that's, I that's just, a concern I wonder if the matchup has improved at all like you mentioned the 3-0 that SKT had over Samsung uh, in the past and uh, they've had a pretty good matchup against the Samsung roster uh, historically, so uh, I don't, I don't see aside from something special from Kube, uh, maybe ambition, you pocket Garner or something insane, um, and I, it's possible, it's certainly possible that they win, but the likelihood is for SKT. Yeah, uh, all hail the overlords that have been just dominating this scene for All hail. almost, you know, half a decade. Baker win. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, there was a great quote by Frosk um, that I think summarizes this this era so perfectly for me when it comes to SKT, and, and that's, it's so nice to have a, a team that says that they're the best in the world and then backs that up with their results. It's, it's yes. easy to talk trash, 
It's a lot harder to definitively prove over and over. Uh, it's not trash if we're correct. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, that's that's how it goes. They're just, they're, they're able to yeah. do that trash talk and, uh, and make it work. And they are a fun team to watch. And I want to appreciate them for as long as we're going to have them because yeah. certainly, you know, no empire lasts forever as much as Indeed. it feels like this one has. Um, so yeah. we'll see how it goes. Skylar, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Uh, do you have anything Pleasure. you want to plug real quick on your way out? Uh, I, my plugs are also my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> uh, today's unusual plug is Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. Duel me. I dare you. I will destroy <laughs> you with Blue Eyes White Dragon. <laughs> nice. It's it's a great game. Uh, it's fun. It's a mobile game. Yeah, it's that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's entirely reasonable. Um, and I, I think ultimately that's going to be the. Uh, it, it's just it finally reminded people that like Yu-Gi-Oh was fun before they made everything super complicated. Yeah, it's uh, for for its genuine credit, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links is a very fast game. So yes. It's not a time commitment. Uh, it's like I think they have to the size of the board or something. I didn't play much original Yu-Gi-Oh! But yeah. uh, it's it's very fast. Maximum twenty turns. That's like rare, rare too. Most games are done within ten turns. So. The important thing is there aren't pendulum summons, which still have to be yes. <laughs> the dumbest mechanics I've ever seen in my life. But it's, uh, insane it's hard to keep track of but uh in dual links the computer keeps track of it for you <laughs> exactly we're, we're we'll have our, our dual links podcast another time hey guys future chase here i didn't know at the time of recording that my second guest wasn't going to be able to join today so that's the end of today's episode Thank you guys so much for listening. If you liked today's episode, be sure to let me know in the comments section below, either on SoundCloud or on YouTube. I do read every one. I love keeping the conversation with you guys. All the likes are really appreciated. And of course, you can also be joining us on our Discord channel, where I've been watching a lot of the games with you lovely listeners. The, the finals are almost here. If you guys want to watch those with me and, and hear my reactions live, that's a great chance to do that. I'm also going to be watching a lot of BlizzCon, so if you have any interest in Overwatch or Heroes of the Storm, any of these other games, that's a great place to check uh, to join in th as well. So thank you guys so much. Next week, there will be a podcast. I'm going to have two great guys come in and run a roundtable where we talk about North America's franchising system, what we know, what we're waiting to hear, and what it all is going to mean. So be sure to be back next week for that. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.